Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. On today's show, we have not only a special guest, but a very special co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Mr. Derek Jones. Wow, what an introduction. I That was the best. <laughs> I feel honored. You should be honored. No, I'm honored. So Derek, okay. So let's put the pieces of the puzzle together. So Rob, my regular partner in crime was unable to make today's interview. So really the next best thing, I can't even say you're the next best thing because you're like, you're pretty like even Stevens in my yeah, book. Yeah, he, he has more charisma. So he checks that column. So I'm, I'm well, like trying to step up in, in, in that regard. Yeah, Derek's station manager here at Rowan Radio. And he is our behind the scenes always producing and making sure that we sound good, cutting out all the dumb stuff we're saying. So today, Derek is co-hosting with me for our guest, Dina Blizzard, who is absolutely just a blast to hang out with. Yes, and, and can I say, I for years, I have seen ads for Dina playing here, playing there, and now she's in the studio, and it's amazing. How could it not be fun to talk to a comedian? So Dina, she started out as a, a biological sciences major. So, you know, kind of not expected to go into the comedy realm. But we're going to talk all about her journey, about how she went from Rowan. She's part of a legacy family now. Her daughter's currently here. What she's done, everything in between from when she walked in the doors and sent her daughter in these doors and what's next for Dina. So we've had a great time. And Derek, just a special thanks for joining me today. We have a whole crew behind the scenes oh, that nobody is, knows about. This is fun. Yeah, we we huddle together in this studio when you all are doing the show. Yeah. And then the other half of the team, we're in the other room. Let's I talk mean, about the other half yes, of the team. Yes, let's do that. We have in, in with us right now Amanda Rennie. Yes. She works over in Advancement. She's like our producer and guest scheduler. I don't. We need like a real like official title for you, but <laughs> she, she's like master of all things behind the scenes. We have Leo, who's assistant station manager here, who helps with the shows as well. I mean, we got a whole social media crew that's been coming for our past couple of recordings. I know. This is an ensemble cast now. This I know. is like we need like produced credits. We're kind of a big deal. But today was a really big deal to talk to Dina. So take a listen. Today's guest is Dina Blizzard. Welcome. You were already on campus today, right? We kind of snagged you when you were already here today. Yes, I came to uh, tonight. My daughter is going to be doing her choir concert, which she just told me about two days ago, which I'm sure she knew about for weeks. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go have dinner with my girlfriend and then come back and go watch a concert. The last time she asked me to come, she's in the, I'm going to call it boho. It's not boho. It's the acapella group. Oh, um, row. Oh my gosh, what are they called? Oh. Rojo? I don't know. <laughs> Whoever they are. She was like, why don't you come down? Because we're going to be doing this concert. So yeah. I drove all the way down here. Not It's like 40 minutes. All the way down here. I get here. She sang one song and she was done. Oh, I was no. like, I asked like five people to come. Now, I thought, we. what is the name of the acapella group? I know what it is. It's like it's totally It's four escaping. letters and it's Rovo. Rovo. Oh. Wait, is that an all-girl group? No, no, no. It's just all acapella. Okay, because I know that there's that um, boy group. They were there. Oh my gosh, they had prof in their name. The uh... prophecy. Yes. Wow, Derek's yes. really good at yes. this game. I fun fact: I signed off on a advisor piece of paperwork for prophecy. I think 
years ago. Oh, so you were going to be the advisor? Yeah, and then Are happens. you the advisor? No. You just don't know it and you advise them that, of nothing. That that could be that the case. They've gone right. rogue and they yes. can't even get in touch with their advisor because he doesn't care. That could very well be I the like case. I like you, Derek. I like yeah. how you work. I would like to sign up to be an advisor because if ignoring them is part of it, then that's how I've raised my children. I'm I've advised a, all of them. I'm doing a very good job, I'm Derek. <laughs> well, what's it like to have your daughter here on campus? It's weird. It's funny because uh, I graduated, it was probably 94, and I think I've driven through like the, I, I've come a couple of times we've done some comedy shows right. alumni comedy shows um, but it's definitely been a while and so we came and we did like the tour and uh, like move in day like where she's moving into didn't exist I, part of me was like this is lovely and part of me was like I paid for this <laughs> yeah. I did not get to live in any of these nice buildings so it's a very conflicting does she time. live in Holly Point? Yes, that's okay. where she lives. Yeah. And uh, so it's weird. It's just funny, you know, like I'll tell her stories of my girlfriend and I going to class because our science building is gone. I was a biology yeah. major. And I'm like, well, there was a building here. It was not as nice as this one. It was kind of a tent compared to what's currently here. I know. <laughs> just, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I know. It's so beautiful. So there's part of me that's very nostalgic and there's part of me that's angry. Um, and then there's like the whole, like all of our fraternity houses are gone. Yeah. You know, that's all kind of built up. That's it's probably, it's probably yeah. nicer oh, yeah. what yeah. you guys have done is yeah. probably nicer it, than yeah. what we had. It's so. like a different universe now. It is very weird. So uh, so it's great, though. It's great to just see what Rowan has become. You know, I mean, when we were here, we thought it was great and it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but to kind of see what it's grown into. And then the campuses, you know, down the road near, uh, you know, is it? The hospital. By the hospital, hospital. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just, you guys are everywhere. So I that's know. kind of lovely. So What's she studying? It's a great question. <laughs> um, Wait, do parents yeah. ever know? I feel like parents never know what their kids are studying, no. what they do for a living. She came in as a music major. Okay. And uh, she's very talented and she's loving it. But, you know, she's, I think all of the freshmen, I, I have two older kids as well and I feel like they all change their major in that I would rather you change it freshman year like she got so upset and I was like listen change it as many times as you want now no. <laughs> don't yeah. change it senior year um, so she's doing the same thing my other two kids did and she'll she'll find her way and they did not come to Rowan right they didn't okay. I had Where one at go? Temple okay. and one at Drexel so oh. my Temple just graduated and Drexel is still there so her she's name, only she has one her name. her name is Jacqueline I should stop calling her Drexel but <laughs> she um, has her name she has a name her name is Jacqueline uh, and then Brooke uh, wanted to kind of be closer to home. I actually don't even know that it's closer because <laughs> Drexel and Temple are not that far. Um, but yeah, she always kind of had it. She was part of Rowan's orchestra when she okay. was in high school as well. So I feel like that's the other thing. Rowan does a really nice job of just kind of like really working in the community and kind of growing, whether it's artists or just young people. So um, so she felt really comfortable, which was really nice. Are you kind of like reliving your glory days when you come visit? Are you like Well, like I said, the frat houses are gone, so <laughs> it's hard to live a glory day when it's been replaced by a Barnes and Noble. So, yeah. Um, yeah, not quite but, the party place. Yeah, not yeah. a party place. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's funny to walk through the campus and just kind of see these different spots, and it just feels like every spot I can think of now has a building on it. You know, there's just so many. There were a lot more open spaces, uh, which was nice, but. You know, the facilities here are just really extraordinary. I mean, I have not been in, in the science building, but somebody said there's a planetarium. I'm like, oh, yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. I am oh, so is. mad. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just seems so lovely. Um, but I do think about, I mean, what we all accomplished in just even those facilities was kind of extraordinary. So it's nice that... 
you know, it's it's growing over time. And so do you remember like the average day for you when you were a student? So I was a commuter. Okay. Um, so it was a little different. But my girlfriend lived on campus. So I would kind of go. Uh, was it Beau Rivage? That's yeah. Across, yeah. So mm -hmm. she was over there and a lot of parties were there. Um, but I I was kind of catching up. I started at Trenton State and then left school for a while. My grandpa was sick. There was a lot of family stuff happening. Took a semester off and then started at Rowan. Really didn't know. I was undeclared for a while. And then I took a biology class and I was like, this is awesome. Even though I was failing, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I didn't do well in my and, biology uh, classes yeah. either. Yeah. And then I started working on the ambulance squad as a volunteer. So I would, I would volunteer from midnight to six in the morning. And then I'd get up, come to class, and then my girlfriend and I would go to work and work at this retirement home. Like it was, it was a busy time. And then we'd come back and get dressed to go out at ten o'clock at night to go. Yeah, and the then you commuted. Club. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was. But you just oh, I was living it up. Yeah. I was getting my full rowing on. It was. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, and in some ways it's funny to me. But I just felt I was. I needed. There were times I needed to be home. Like when I wanted to decompress, I needed to be home. I needed my mom to make pasta and lay mm -hmm. in my bed. And then I so could like come back here. Food? Yeah, like yeah. I just needed to. I don't think I. I was. I couldn't have been away for me. That was just too much. Um, but it was great because I had all the kind of comforts of being here, and I felt like really still involved in the college. I know that that's always an issue sometimes for commuters, commuters yeah. but I feel like you know uh, it. You know, Rowan was a great place to just meet people and be able to be on campus when you want to, and you know, go home. So I felt the same way for Brooke. I mean, I don't know if she'll end up staying on campus or not but um but she seems to really like it and so it's all good what were the extracurriculars you were doing what were your when favorite activities when i was activities? here besides the dirty and ones you want the clean ones <laughs> the Derek. clean, ones, Let the me clean think. ones this is this is a pg Let program think at least the, the on-air part of it biology is like a, a very no nonsense there wasn't a lot of extra time for sure right I did have a boyfriend, Derek, who was on the <laughs> soccer team, and so I went to a lot of the soccer you, games. Okay, so all I right. did that. <laughs> I probably went places where there were boys, yeah. uh, which then goes back to those parties. But I'm sure I did other things when I was here. But you studied biology, so like you just took a bite. That's not an easy class it's to be like. Not. I like this. I'm going to do it. Yeah, no, I I really wasn't good at it at all. The professor, his name was Dr. Ramest, and he was like, "You're failing horribly," <laughs> and uh, he said, "I think." you're a lot smarter than you think you are and I was like I feel like you're overestimating oh. and uh, he was like well you're gonna fail so the only thing I could do for you is send in your your lab work early I'll grade it and let you fix it before it's due and we'll do it that way and so I went from failing the whole class to like acing it and then I was like oh because he I was just writing crap I was just writing whatever I was, la, la, la. and he was like you know this is crap I was like do you think it is maybe it's not he goes oh it is and so I didn't really do Were you well. just deflecting with humor? Is that like your yeah. thing? I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I think I was the kind of student that always just kind of floated by. I didn't really have to try that hard. So coming, coming here and taking like actual hard classes, I think I was just like, hey, yeah, I think I probably was like, yeah, but it was good though. It's like, no, it's not. And so he kept failing me. Um, and then Dr. Newland was, I think, the dean of the chemistry department. 
and he was another one. Like I would, br- I broke most of the labs and just always breaking stuff. And he was like, I really need you to just take your time. And I was failing that as well. And Dr. Newell, I would just go see him every day. And and I almost had a minor in chemistry. I just needed one more class, but I oh was gosh. just done. But I really, I loved it. And it was just so funny. I really had plans on like doing medical school and all of this stuff. But my senior year is when I started competing for Miss New Jersey. Okay. And, then, and then I graduated. I got a job at Burlington County College as like a lab instructor. And then that year is when I won Miss New Jersey. And then and then I was saying like, we're sitting at, it's Beaux-Arts, right, that yeah. we're now. Mm-hmm. And I've, I was never in this building. And I, and I look back, like if I had gotten a degree in communications, like I would have started so much earlier, but I started really late. So I did Miss, Miss New Jersey, then Miss America. And uh, so I was probably 23 at Miss America. And, but I, I didn't start doing stand-up until I was 30. Like, it took me a long time to realize, like, I think I can talk a little bit. What did you do when you were a kid? Like, what were your... I was really quiet. I was a piano what? player. I yeah, was, I yeah, yeah, I was really I... shy, really quiet, and I was a, a classical pianist. Like, I was a, I was a musician. That, that was seems like thing. dual personalities a little bit. Well, it's funny because um, the more I started to learn about comedy, because I was, I was really good at music, and when I was at Trenton State, I was a music major, but I just didn't love it the way everybody else loved like I love it for myself but it wasn't something that I was like I want to do this for the rest of my life so I really was I was like why would God give me this gift gift and then like I don't really want to do it and it took until I was 30 and I started doing stand-up and um People were saying, like, your timing is so good. Like, you're not funny yet, but your timing is... You have no sense of humor, (laughs) None whatsoever. But the more you learn about comedians, if you see some really great comedians, a lot of them are musicians in some capacity. So I always think to myself, like, I think I was good at music because I'm just good at timing. And so it just, that's how it kind of came out as a kid. How does someone cultivate the skill set to be a comedian? You have to be a nerd. Yeah. yeah, do you like Start study by book? being a nerd? Yeah, so I found a picture of me when I was in high school. I was I played the Glockenspiel, which what I know that? the boys I mean, you keep love. saying that, but I don't know what the that Glockenspiel. Is. So I was a piano player, right? But you can't march with a piano. Right. So they give you because they want to make you nerdier. They give you a rack of bells, like ding ding. Oh, ding, 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 you ding, play But they bells. strap them to your body and put a cowboy hat on you oh, and a bolero Lord. jacket. Wow. Yeah, that, hot. Yes, that, hot. That sounds like um, a good time. It yeah. is. It's a very good time, and so. Uh, so yeah, I was nerdy and quiet. I would think that most most comedians pretty much come from that genre. So you had to develop a personality because there was nothing else going for you. Um, but it really wasn't until I did Miss America because I really didn't talk. And then you know you go to Miss America and you're forced to talk. And I was like, okay, I need to learn some stuff. And by the time that year was over, I knew I could talk and I knew I could make people laugh here and there. But it would take another seven years until I would turn 30 because making somebody laugh on purpose was very different than I'm funny in conversation. Right. So it took a long time. So when I was turning 30, um, my ex bought me a comedy class and uh, he was like, uh, you know, you said you wanted to do this. So wow. he, you know, bought a $200 what a good comedy gift. class. It was the greatest <laughs> gift ever. Yeah. And then it was funny because uh, I took the class. It wasn't good, but the owner had um, started letting some people, you know, be the cedar person at the club in exchange for five minutes on stage. And so I started doing that. And I remember saying to him, so I went, to, so I graduated Rowan. 
at some point, I don't know when, I got a master's at St. Joe's University in gerontology, which is useless. And uh, get another word she said. Then, that I'm like, I don't know that another is. big word that means nothing. I'm frantically um, typing the word. No, what, what is that? But it was funny because by the end of it, my husband was like, so let me get this straight. You're still paying college loans from your master's program, but it's the $200 comedy class you're going to pursue as a career. I was like, I know, right? It's a great idea. <laughs> and so that's what I did. So I had three kids, and I was a stay-at-home mom. and started doing stand-up, and then um, it was really just always like a hobby on the weekends and until it wasn't. And, and by the third year, I started playing the comedy stop in Atlantic City and then Vegas. And, but it was always just like, well, this is fun. Right. Until I was like, oh, people want to pay me. Yeah, that's kind of an incredible thing. It took about 10 thing. years. Yeah, no, it definitely <laughs> took 10 years to get to that point. But uh, but yeah, it's been uh, a very weird a very weird path because people are like, so how do you become a comedian? I'm like, get a biology degree. <laughs> Go to Miss America. Get a gerontology degree. What was your talent when you did the pageants? Classical piano. Oh, wow. See, had I is, done stand-up, it would have been so much better. I know. I that would be so unexpected. We've learned so much. Plays piano. Yes. Biology major. Hmm. Chemistry. Mm -hmm. Like very talented. Yes. Yes. Wow. All of these things. This Still is... lost Miss America. <laughs> Still Come played on. the glockenspiel in high yeah. school. Can't take that away. But yeah, no, it was great. It was great. I loved. I loved being here. That's why when Brooke had said that she, you know, was looking at colleges and that Rowan was at the top, I was like, that'll. That's good for her. It's a good. You know, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a growing school, and it feels like home. Yeah. You know, I feel like that. That was the part. I I grew up in Winslow, which wasn't that far from here. So it felt like you were going to a college, but you weren't like five hours away. I was reading up on you. Okay. Um, There's a lot to read. Yeah, but I was Not actually reading about good. an interview you did about your daughter. Okay. So it's about... Oh, yeah. about Brooke, yeah. Yeah, so that's amazing because it looked like music was a part of her whole life, just like it was yours. So it was. that's nice. So she's studying. She's in the college of perform. We don't really know. We decided we don't really know. She what is. She's no, doing, she right? is. She is a violin major okay. at the school. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, so what article did you read? I don't even know where it was. It was about it was about her learning difficulties yes. as she was growing. Yes. And how you, you found like music as a commonality. It you was. noticed it with the music. I did it? notice it. Well, look yeah. at you. You did. Yeah. So we're I call it anxiety family. So we anxiety, depression, right all of it. And right. we're very, oh, we're very open. About <laughs> I'm OK it. with it. I mean, it's. It's real feelings. Yeah, yeah. It's, I feel like if you're not an anxiety family, that's different now. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people have it. A lot of people don't talk about it. We're pretty open about it. And so, you know, Brooke was probably in second grade. I started trying to teach her. So I played the piano and I taught piano. And I was trying to teach her something like the difference between an interval of a second and a third, which is pretty easy. They're either neighbors or there's a note between them. And I, she just couldn't get it. And, and it's something most people can get in 15 minutes. And I showed it to her visually. I showed it to her on the piano. And she just couldn't get it. And I was like, it's, it was the first thing that I kind of noticed. And then as she went through grammar school, we started noticing other things. And uh, so it, it was. It's been quite a journey with her. And in, in eighth grade, um, there was, you know, IEP meetings and such. And at that point, they had said, um, we really think what's best for her is a trade school wow. um, and this and that. And I was like, I feel like she just 
she understands it when I teach it to her. I'm just thinking she needs to talk to her a certain way. Right. Like, I don't know why you're calling it on a 14-year-old. On a mm -hmm. Like, if she wants to go to trade school, I'll support it. I'm a big fan. I love the trades. And if the pandemic taught us anything, it was the trades were the they're, best thing that's ever happened. And they're not going happened. away anywhere, right? Um, but I was like, but she's 14. And so it was it was a big fight with the district. Um, but we ended up getting her into a great school part-time so she'd go one-on-one -on -one in the morning for English and math and then be shipped back to the high school and have the rest of her day. And so that was the other thing about Rowan was uh, we always looking at the programs um, that were for kids who learn a little differently and what were the programs and the accommodations. And so it's been really working for her and all of us. So anxiety is a big part. And I think every freshman on campus has anxiety. Of course. Oh, so if goodness. you didn't have it coming in, you definitely yeah. have it yeah, now. Yeah, there's a lot. And so she has really uh, done really well. I think maybe one time she called and was like, I need you to pick me up. And, so, and then I kind of <laughs> talked I did that down. more than one time. And, so. um, and I, I said to her, you know, I think in some ways it was awful at the time to have to kind of go through a solid eight years of just therapy and, and you know, working on things and trying different medicines and whatever. Um, but I feel like she, we're all surprised, pleasantly surprised that this transition to high school has gone so well. And so it's a real testament to just education and just really looking at education really differently. I think my other two kids are pretty typical learners. And had I not had Brooke, I don't know that my view of education would have been the same. I feel like we don't really always teach. We, we are always teaching to the masses. And I right. feel like you're really leaving a lot of other people out. And I think that that's really important for her to have come to Rowan to be able to thrive in music. And she's doing really well. But she's taking other classes. She's like, oh, I think I like this class, too. Or I like this class. And so. That's so cool. So it's been really great. I mean, she's definitely, there's a ton of people rooting for her because we have been really vocal about her journey and all of the things that have kind of gone along with it. And, and she had said, she's like, a lot of people in the dorms are really struggling. Uh, yeah. with depression and anxiety and they don't have parents that they can call and talk to because a lot of people will say get it together or why right. are you being so lazy or just yeah. get up and do it and it's just really hard I feel like the pandemic again was a really big in you know again if you didn't have anxiety before right. the <laughs> pandemic you had it after yeah. or during um, so I'm glad I'm glad that you know mental health is being talked about a lot more and I'm glad it's being talked about specifically for kids in college because I, I think that there's a lot of concerns and hopefully you know that's something that you know that's kind of forward in the messaging like that no exam is worth going crazy for talk yeah. to your professors explain where you are and so um, it's so a big transition nice. period to go from 100% right like I yeah. even remember feeling like victories when I would like do my laundry like yeah. and my my parents like taught me those like quote-unquote life skills yeah. but like to come and do it on your own while you're you know managing different kinds of yes. friendships and classes and it's a lot you know, it, it, it is it, it, it's a lot and I, I think that there's it's less now but for some I think there's a stigma for asking right for, for, help. for help yeah and that's why I think sometimes kids get in, in the, at the college age they don't want to show like yeah. signs of weakness or anything that could be coming from the household, all kinds of reasons. But yeah. it's important, I think, to, to make sure kids have the support. Yeah, and, and learning to advocate for yourself. You know, oh, and, yeah. and, and so, you know, the programs here are you can apply, you know, with your documentation from high school, with your IEP, 504, whatever. And then that information is sent to the teachers. Um, and so the teachers know what her accommodations are, but it's really up to her how much she wants to share with them. And so it's been a big learning experience. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not emailing anybody. Right. This is up 
up to you. And maybe there are classes that you don't need these accommodations. Maybe there some are, but only there you are can parents decide that, that do email. Yeah, <laughs> do email and I and I won't. So that's, yeah. It's very. It's been very. It's a big journey. I think. I think even for parents. I mean, she's my youngest, so I'm officially an empty nester now. No one's home. But I feel like even as a parent being able to facilitate the part where you just stop talking, stop giving advice unless somebody asks you is the hardest thing in the world. And being able to just like, well, if you don't ask for help, you're going to fail. So those are your choices. You can either learn to advocate for yourself or you're going to fail. And so being a parent gotta, is so hard. It is so hard. Thank <laughs> but you you're for like... giving me props for it. Because <laughs> my kids don't give me props. So I have a, a almost four-year-old and wow. a one-and-a-half-year-old. So oh, I'm like at the I'm times. at the very beginning stages. So fun. So fun. Yeah, sometimes. Um, sometimes it's really hard. Oh. But you have maintained being a funny mom through it all. Have you found humor has helped you through the difficult parenting times? Yeah, for sure. I don't think my kids thought I was funny. I thought well, I was of course hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that I think... Uh, humor was always a big part of it for and in every phase I think but even especially now and it's being funny to them is really important like I remember they would sit around the table and Jacqueline my middle came over crying and I was like what's going on she's like Dean said I wasn't funny I don't know why he would say that it was like the most devastating thing you could say uh, but Dean and Jacqueline both work at Helium Comedy Club now and they're both doing stand-up and they're just so funny because, you know, they've watched me for the last, I've been doing stand-up now for 20 years and, uh, you know, they're so used to seeing me at a show or touring or something. But the reality is, is it all started in a crappy club that's disgusting where people were saying dirty jokes and you're not funny and you do that for, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. And so they're like, is that joke funny? I'm like, no, not yet. Keep working <laughs> on it. And then, and then they get upset. I'm like, no, listen, you're not going to be funny for a long time. Like it took me eight months to write one funny joke. The first joke wow. took me eight months. And do you remember what it was? Yes, it was a song. Or is it clean? No. And it was, uh, it was <laughs> called, for it was called, Figured it was I'd called try. The Seven Years of Marriage. It was to the tune of the 12 Days of Christmas. And as you went through, they just got dirty and dirtier oh, and I remember singing it to my husband at the time and he was like I don't think it's funny at all because it was all about him and then I ran <laughs> to the neighbor's house and he sang it to her she was like that's hilarious and so I had been going to that open mic every single week for seven or eight months and no and I'm a mom I'm like and then her pampers fell off like nobody was <laughs> laughing at any of my jokes and so I went up and I was like I'm gonna sing this song and it's all comics. Everybody's just writing their own stuff, not really paying attention. I have a horrible singing voice. It wasn't a gift. So I'm singing horribly. Um, but one by one, everybody's heads were hopping up. I was like, I think this might be funny. Yeah. Um, and so it was the first real thing that anybody ever laughed at. And I remember afterwards, they were like, oh, my gosh, that was so funny. It was so good. I was like, was it good? He was like, oh, you're a horrible singer. But it was funny. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. That's what you're going for. Yeah. I was like, no one's giving me an album. But yeah. OK. Yeah. That's not um, what you really need. Anyway no, at that no, point. No, 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 no. But uh, but yeah. So it's kind of fun. I think the great thing about stand up comedy in general is there's there's no nepotism like it doesn't matter whose son you are who's who's you know whatever like at the end of the day you still have to stand up there and you have to take your hits and you have to learn to write and if you do you'll move forward and if you don't you're not gonna so there's a there's a, a you know a great equality to that that you know you have to stand there and take your punches
What's it like to take those? Awful. It's yeah. the most awful. It's oh, actually, yeah. I remember Dean going up one night and he was bombing and it was awful. And some guy started heckling him and almost punched him in the back of the head. Like yeah. as a mom, I was yeah. like, leave him alone. <laughs> That's my just, baby. Yeah, it's my baby. Just So how do you come up with the material? I, like one of my friends is a comedian. I watched him recently. We were walking around a city and he's making mental notes. Okay. And somebody asked him, what are you doing? He said, "Oh, I'm, I'm material. We're going mm-hmm. material. Always. Like, is that is that how you go about doing it? Is that you're always thinking about comedy material that I need to, to pick up? Yeah. So um, when I was writing a lot, which I should have one now, but I have a, I would have a comedy book, and so anytime you would see something, you're like, oh, let me write this down. You'd kind of write a note to yourself, so that by the time you got to open mic or a show, you'd be like, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. But I never sat down and wrote." things out it was always like i have this idea let me try it you know you, the idea is you take you know if you're doing your set and you have two really strong jokes you put your new joke in between so if it stinks you can go to your next joke and not be horrible and bomb <laughs> um, but yeah i mean um so i have a one woman show that was off broadway for a while that we toured called one funny mother and it was probably the first seven years of my stand-up is all kids and marriage so it's i feel like you just kind of like write what you know and so that was the majority of my career um i recently just got divorced and so now i'm kind of at a new place in my life and i imagine there'll be one Are funny divorce lady i don't know uh, i don't know i don't know it's not uh, funny yeah, yet yeah, so yeah. uh i don't know maybe down the road yeah maybe down the road but i think that you know they're all different experiences and you know, sadly, this part of life comes with a lot of divorce and loss and all of that. So an empty nesting. And so it's just kind of a weird place. I remember my son, he was so he's 23 and uh, he had just graduated Temple. He was like, Mom, it's just so weird. Like, I just re- like I could go anywhere. I could do anything like I could really do anything I want. I go, you know, what's so crazy. Me, too. Yeah. I'm 50. And I could go anywhere and I could do anything. And he was like, Oh, yeah. can't be right. We can't be in the same place. I go, no, we are. And that's what's crazy. Yeah. In 20 years, you're going to be right back here. And he, I was like, and guess what? We're on the same dating site. That's so weird. <laughs> oh, hopefully right? we don't match. He was like, la, 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 please stop. I was like, maybe we'll match, Steve. <laughs> you want to creep out nightmare. your son. Yeah, oh, say that. So, yeah. So those uncomfortable moments is probably where comedy comes from. So you feel pressure to be funny? No. Really? I feel pressure to sleep. <laughs> to shower, to nap. No, I don't know. Not, n- talking in general doesn't ever really make me nervous. I do think it's weird, like, if like if you meet people and they know you're a comedian. Then, like, some people are pretty, like, laid back about it. Everyone's like, so, you're going to tell us a joke? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell you a joke. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, not say something works. funny. Are you like, paying me money? Yeah. If yeah. not, then probably not. Um, <laughs> no, people don't usually do that, though. Everyone's pretty laid back, so... But we just toured for a year and a half uh, with another show, and we did 75 cities in the year and a half and started in the pandemic. Um, so I'm kind of in my low time now. Like, I'm just kind of chilling out yeah. and, um, you know, I'll probably start again in January. And I have to write a next the next hour by May of next year for Mother's yeah. Day. So it's a little stressful. But Well, you're going to find what's next. You'll find the we'll humor. See. And you'll find something super fun. And Absolutely. we can't wait to watch yeah. you and find out what well, that is. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dina. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Derek, what was it like to be in the room with two female powerhouses today? 
that was that was uh, that was a challenge that was intimidating that was informative i th- i hit almost every emotional checkpoint i know i can't even put myself in the in the same <laughs> field as her but what an incredible lady i mean i think i really connected to the fact of of her various life stages and how she's brought that into comedy and what's next and adjusting to to all the changes that are happening. It's remarkable how talented she is. Mm-hmm. And I i mean, you know, talking about playing piano and biology and chemistry, like I can't even, I, I can barely like type on a keyboard, let alone, you know, play a piano and then do all these other things. That's impressive. And then to add on top of that, she's a comedian. Right. Don't you Crazy. feel like when you listen, so I, there's some comedians that I like, and then when I listen to interviews with them, I'm like, wow, they're so layered and brilliant and smart. And you just never, you don't always get that when somebody's a comedian because you're getting like a very presented side of, you know, comedy. But then you like dig in like an onion and you're like, oh, there's so much good stuff here. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't think to me, it's a necessarily a natural thing to be a comedian to be a comedian no i feel like it's gotta be hard but she turned like you could see she like turned it right on yes she right yes like she was funny the whole time she was in here but when the mic went on i feel like she kind of like lit up a little bit like she was like yes oh yeah this is what i do yeah Yeah. well we had so so much fun with dina and we love talking to our alums about all the interesting and fun things that they're doing so if you're an alum and you're listening to this and you think you're interesting and fun which we're positive that you are shoot us an email at alumni.rowan.edu tell us a little bit about your story we'll see if we can get you on Um, We have so much to share. I hope you all enjoyed it and that you have a great day. You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio On Demand. 